Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you, everyone. I want to continue where we left off last week, speaking of, and I'll call it this, the mystery of the love of God. For when Jesus gave us that one command, it, it, it is, what can I say, it, it's, it's so alive with the newness and Jesus called it a new commandment it was a new kind of commandment it was a commandment that had never been understood seen heard before it had been hinted at there were rumors in the old testament but this is it this this amazing command of Jesus love one another as I have loved you and as we saw, he, he uses the word love, and in the Greek language, agape, which is, is saying this is the God love. This is, in fact, the divine nature. God is agape, love, but not love as we humans know, which always have the, the self-centered hook in it, however small it may be, but it's there. But God love is the totality of himself giving himself to us, agape. Um, and and, and let, let me say quickly, when we say agape, I've said this before, so if you know this, good. If you don't, this is vital. Agape, what is agape? What is this love which is the very nature of the Holy Trinity? Um, it, it is love and there's no dark side to it. That is, there's no surprises with this love. It isn't that you meet the love, and then tomorrow you realize that there was more to this than you understood, and God actually sometimes can be anything but love. And I have read in many theological treatises that, um, you know, that God is love, but he's also rage and anger and and you, you get this schizophrenic idea of God. No, agape means, in its basic meaning, unambiguous love. That is love. That it, it, There's no dark side to the love. There's no sudden revelation of another uh, sort of the, the backside of love. No, God is love. And wherever you meet him under whatever situation, circumstance, wherever you find yourself, you will always find the unchanging love that he says God is love. And, and this is not just a, a, a dull statement of theological fact. Love is the person of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. When I am dealing with love, I am dealing with the person of God. And when I say person, I mean he is limitless person. He makes us look like a bunch of ghosts. Um, he is person. And so there's an ecstasy. One would have to use that term. There is an ecstasy in this love. There is delight. There is rejoicing. There is dancing. There is uh, ecstasy is the best word, which means to stand outside of oneself. And, and, and so it is with God. He is love, yet he stands outside himself and reaches down to us with uncreated delight and joy. Agape. It means the limitless, uncreated drive. That's really not the word I want, but it will do. Drive. It, it means motion toward us to unite us to himself. That is agape. 
He, he is totally given, uncreated, unbegun, that he would draw us into his embrace. When, when we embrace another, it, it is a, a symbol, actually, that, that we are seeking a union of persons. And so we seek to draw the other into us. But of course, because we are um, spirits in body, we, we can only go so far with that. But with, with this one, this God, uh, he comes and he achieves it. He brings us, love brings us into the most intimate union. One could say um, all, all those words that we've used. Uh, he, he is one, that that. Um, what is it in Corinthians? He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Um, and, and then that word that is throughout the New Testament, in, Jesus said he is in the Father. The Father's in him and he is in us and we are in him. You, you get the picture. I mean, if I take this pen and, and I say, in my hand, and then that hand is in my hand, you get the picture. This is this is agape, that he seeks to join us into union with himself. And, and so it also has the idea of participating in the other. We're not just sitting in God like lumps on a log. We, we, we participate in that life. We actually receive that love and we become centers of that love. Agape. It means that God looks at you and accepts you as person. You, you know what I mean, don't you? When someone looks at you and you know they accept you, they don't demean you, they don't dismiss you, you're not a nothing to them. Well, here we come to the finale that, that God says he so loves you. You are of such worth. You are of such value that he equates you with his son. He gives you the son and the son embraces you within you and calls you members of his very body. Can you get any closer? And places his Holy Spirit within you. Total acceptance. In fact, the, the word, and we'll look at it later on, I'm sure, but the, the word that is used concerning this relationship that agape is, uh, which is know, but it, it, it's not to know about. It, it could be translated as face-to-face. -face. This is who you are, you see. You, you are those to whom God, the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, reveals His love. And he brings you into his embrace. And he comes within you, face to face. Nothing between. And of course, you could say the flip side of what I've just said about the love of God is that he is totally given. That this move to unite is also then the movement of his entire self to overcome anything and anyone that would separate you from his love, whether it be the world system, whether it be the, the flesh that found birth in Adam, or, or, or whether it is Satan himself, the whole being of God rises like a bear robbed of her cubs to overcome, dismantle anything that would separate you from that love. Everything I've just said, incidentally, is parts of scriptures throughout the New Testament. That this is the love of God. And Jesus now says that we would love agape, this same word, that is God's own kind of love, God's nature. We would love one another with that love. And he says that he himself has already begun that, that he became human, and in our human limitedness, he loved us with the love of the Holy Trinity. He was the first genuine, authentic human to be fully alive, for he fully loved. 
Now he says, you join to me, join to the Father through the Holy Spirit. You will love one another as I have loved you. That, that's sort of, <clears throat> that's what I've been saying in the last few, few hours together. But, but the point is, how does this happen? Because the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. And he within us is the source of that love. Wherever the Holy Spirit is marginalized, wherever the Holy Spirit is placed back there in history, wherever we substitute brains, formulas, programs for the Holy Spirit, then note, and it's a simple fact, that this kind of love just is not there. The Holy Spirit is the source of this love. And that's why in John sixteen seven, <clears throat> Jesus said, It is to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit will not come. He says, He is leaving. He is stepping out of this time-space universe into the very heart of the Father, the invisible to our eyes. It's called heavenly places in the Scripture. Jesus said He was leaving this world, but He was carrying human into the other world. And that when He thus stood the right hand of the Father in our humanity, carrying us right there, then God the Holy Spirit would come and the Holy Spirit would actualize, make that reality here on earth. So Jesus said, that will be so incredibly glorious and wonderful that no longer shall I be walking beside you, but when the Holy Spirit comes, the Father, I, said Jesus, will come into you through the Holy Spirit, so that you will be joined to me at the right hand of the Father, while your feet are right here in this world, doing your office job and PTA and sports and everything else, but you will be in me and I will be in you, because the Holy Spirit will actualize that in you. He said, that is to your supreme advantage. I will never forget, some of you have heard me say this before, some of you were there. Um, we were in Israel with a beautiful company of people. And the, it was amazing to me how people had a superstitious view of what we, we were looking at. We, we were in Capernaum and, and looking, well, I, we were actually walking on, on the stones of the synagogue in Capernaum, the same that the synagogue that Jesus went to in Capernaum. And so, yes, Jesus' feet had actually walked on these stones and, and, and so on. And, and there, there were people all around us, and, and they were taking pieces of cloth and, and clothes and they were rubbing them into the stones. Um, and, and, and somebody said, wouldn't it have been wonderful to be here when, when Jesus was here in this synagogue? Wouldn't it have been marvelous? And so they rubbed their clothes to sort of get some of the power, I suppose. Uh, and I had to stop and, and say, no, no. <laughs> that was shocking to people. No, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit came, it would be infinitely better than when he was actually here. And that might shock you, but read it in the scripture, it's right there in John sixteen seven. And the word advantage there, of course it means it in English, but let me say it plainly, the word means that this is the very best thing that could ever happen to you. This is, 
This, this surpasses anything that has gone in the past. It is to your supreme advantage. It, it is it, it, it's better than I can ever tell you. You'll only know by experience that when the Holy Spirit comes, all the fullness of God himself will be in you and you will be in him. It will no longer be a Jesus standing beside you, but a Jesus moving in all of your inner person. Advantage. Better than the physical Jesus. The immediate presence of the Holy Spirit. Opening us up to the whole world. And it is, you know. It's a whole other world of life inside the Holy Trinity. And, and we, our core being is there. And, and then he within us, we become the members of his body, said Jesus. It's his body. And so we become that love of God right here in the midst of the world. That's, that's what it's all about. The Holy Spirit does that. Leave out the Holy Spirit and you might as well close the New Testament. Look, we, we've got to get used to this idea that this gospel that has uh, historically received the name Christianity, it's 110% supernatural. Please understand that. It's a very simple statement. I mean, we believe that it all begins by God incarnate. God became flesh in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Now, if that isn't supernatural, I don't know what is. And again, the Holy Spirit was the one came upon Mary to achieve that. And Jesus, we confess as Christians, is 100% human and 100% God within our human limitedness. He assumed our humanity. If that isn't beyond supernatural, I don't know what is. And, and that his death embraced all of us. And his resurrection from the dead... Can, can, can we just say those words and go on our way? One of our kind, genuine human, who genuinely died, but died for and as our representative, now he rises from the dead and declares that death died and that he now cannot die anymore, which means He's carried human into the dimension of death no more. <laughs> Supernatural? I mean, don't give me a list of morals and virtues and we're trying to be like Jesus and we're trying to be good. Good grief have you read the New Testament. It's pulsating with the power of God revealed in Jesus' resurrection. I mean, can I take it in that one of my kind, God who became one of us, now carried us into that invisible half, the right hand of the Father, right in the midst of God? So really, by the time I get to the fact the Holy Spirit comes into us, that fits in. Then, of course, when I read the rest of the New Testament, that, that here are gifts and there are graces. And, and, and now we talk about this living, a human being living this love in the very ordinariness of everyday life. Well, yes, that sort of fits, doesn't it? That, that's what one would expect at the end of such a parade uh, of, of supernatural. And so no wonder Jesus said, it's to your supreme advantage that I go away, because only in going away can I come back to you in a way I can't describe now, because the Holy Spirit will continually reveal my presence in you and through you. Now, uh, Jesus had a word for the Holy Spirit. It, uh, we can read John 14, verse 16. He said, when we're talking about going away, and then he says, I will ask the Father. He will give you another. And in my Bible, the New American Standard, it says another helper. In your older versions, it says another comforter. 
The fact is, this is, is a word that is not easy to put into English. Let, let me, okay, now let's read on and give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. It does not see him nor know him. You know him because he abides with you, will be in you. That is, Jesus is saying that this Holy Spirit has been in and upon him. Jesus, he's the first one to to bring this Holy Spirit into our human existence. Now he's been with you. Now he's going to be in you, he says, in you. And, and then in verse 18, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. He said, I'm saying I'm going away. But he says, I will come to you. This, I hope this isn't too mysterious to you. Jesus is saying, yes, I am leaving, period. But I'm not leaving you orphans, for when the Holy Spirit comes, he will bring my presence to you. I will meet with you in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's presence will be far better than anything that you've experienced to date. And in verse 26, but the helper, that word again, now he defines him, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, bring all things to your remembrance. So, see, the word that Jesus used is paraclete, that's the Greek word. And let, let me have a go at, at, at saying what this means. And it's one of those words, I can't give you one word, that's why helper, yeah, that's true, but it's not enough. Comforter, Yes, that, that's okay. It's a Latin word, comfort. C-O-M means with in Latin. And fort means strength. And so the Holy Spirit is the with strengthener. Yeah, that's true. But it, it's not enough to say what this word means. Actually, the word means one called alongside. Call, one called alongside you. And, and coming alongside, he is there to help you. He, he is alongside to strengthen you by his presence. He is there to assist you, which brings great relief in that you realize you're not alone. The Holy Spirit makes himself known to you in all situations. He is there to aid you. But, but this includes also the idea of counseling you. That means then to enlighten you, to show you what's really going on, and to direct your path. It, it's, it's the joining of a person to you to be everything that you need in this present moment. One called alongside to help. And so, I say it again, you're never alone. You, you have the most intimate and the most immediate presence of the Holy Spirit with you in all of life. There's no part of life left out because all of your life now takes place in Christ. And Christ, therefore, is in all of your life. And this is actualized through the Holy Spirit. One uh, translation of this one idea that is uh, attached to it very strongly is paraclete means uh, a friend in court a uh, slightly different court situations in those days so a friend in court means someone that is going to accompany you into the courtroom is going to explain to you what's going on here, who's that and what they're here for. And then when something is said to you, the, the person who's your friend in court will explain what it means and, and said, this is how you answer. And, and so th th this person who is with you, he knows everything about life. There's nothing he doesn't know about. He's the expert on all living all kinds of living, all situations. And, and so he's explaining to you, he's throwing light on your pathway. He's putting his 
what can I say? Well, Jesus said that when you're dragged before persons who would persecute you, take no thought, the words will be given to you. And, and that's the idea. You don't have to be dragged before persecutors as you are in life. There is someone who is the, the personification of wisdom who will give you direction, wisdom. You'll know, you'll, you'll know. This isn't nothing I'm saying is applicable to the brain. The brain always comes second. He speaks in your heart. He speaks where you know. You know that? Sometimes uh, I have described how the Holy Spirit speaks to us um, as a holy hunch. Does that make any sense? Um, It's not too theological, but that the hunch, you know, when Okay, maybe a better word be intuition. It's when you know something, but you don't know how you know it, but you know, you know. It's bypassed your brain. Your brain always says, well, number one, number two, number three, and five weeks from now you're up to 200 and you're trying to fit it all together. Whereas when the Holy Spirit speaks, bam, you know. And, and, and so there's a spontaneity And then for the next six months, your brain gets educated from your heart. That's the Holy Spirit. So so if the Holy Spirit is such a friend, you know, comes alongside me, right where where I'm at, and alongside of me is not not alongside of me physically, but within me. He's alongside of me in life. And he's there to strengthen, to help, to assist me, to to counsel me, to bring relief when I didn't know what to do. That means then he is the source of courage. I can face anything because the Holy Spirit is within me. He is the one who gives assurance that that knowing I, I'm not lost, I'm not alone. He also brings contentment. And contentment means in this situation you are self-sufficient. You've got everything you need. And maybe in the New Testament uh, it would be better to say contentment is being self-sufficient with the sufficiency of Jesus imparted to us through the Holy Spirit. That this is certainly where the peace of God that passes all human understanding comes from. Certainly, confidence. And of course, the the word that's so often used with the Holy Spirit, power, which means enablement. It means strengthening. It means the love of God. The Holy Spirit comes and always He is the love of God. And He joins Himself to every part of my life. And He informs my life of the love of God. He joins me to that love. And He empowers me to then be that love in whichever way that situation demands. I wish I could see your face right now. Does that make sense? See, we, we do tend to talk about God, but you cannot talk about the Holy Spirit because he's here and now. It's the same thing I've described it before, that if I were giving a lecture, a scientific lecture on gravity, well, I can talk about it, but the fact is I'm actually being held on the stage and my notes are being held on the podium by gravity. Do you see what I mean? You Only up to a point can you talk about that which makes you now who you are. I, I can talk about gravity, but the fact is, while I'm talking about it, I am experiencing it to the max. I am talking now in a sense about the Holy Spirit, but another sense the Holy Spirit not only fills me, but he fills my word and he's there in your ear, in your heart, resonating with you right now. See how the Holy Spirit is. That's his enabling, his power. And of course, the Holy Spirit 
is God. I must insist on that. He's not an it. He's not a force. He's not an energy. He is personal, infinitely personal. And therefore, this this one who comes alongside is agape. Is agape. What well, what in my relationship then to the Holy Spirit? What well, what's it like? You know, okay, it's enough to say the one who comes alongside is love, and therefore I am experiencing love. That would be true. But what's that feel like? As I go through my life today, what's it feel like to do so in and with the Holy Spirit, who is the love of God in motion? We, we did this last week, but we did it so quickly that um, I, I want to look at it more plainly. You see, in 1 Corinthians 13, you have the description of love. Paul states um, very succinctly what I've been trying to say, that th- this love of God, this agape, is, is everything. And so he he says in the first verses of 1 Corinthians 13, it doesn't really matter what else you might be able to do or have done. It all amounts to just zero. In fact, he gives uh, words that, if we put them into very modern English, would be like an empty Coke can that you're kicking down the street. and, And it makes noise, but it's a harsh noise, and it's an unpleasant noise. He said, that's all of your stuff that you do that you think so much of, but if, if, if you're not doing that with the love of God flowing through you, then it's zero, it's nothing. It just makes a lot of noise for nothing. And then he begins to describe love. Well, love, and the word is agape. So before I would talk about this agape being in you or in me, Understand, you can substitute here for agape, you can substitute Jesus, for he is love in our humanity. But also, and very definitely so, you substitute love for Holy Spirit, for it is the Holy Spirit who pours out this love in our heart. And so, if the Holy Spirit is with me right at this microsecond, and with you at the same time, then this is what he feels like. This is what I'm aware of. Love is patient. That is, the Holy Spirit is patient, is kind, is not jealous, doesn't brag or boast, doesn't act rudely or unbecomingly, doesn't seek his own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices, strong word that, with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, The Holy Spirit, love, never fails. And I might quickly say, in verse 7, bears all things, believes all things. I won't give you a lecture in Greek right now, but um, that probably is far better understood as bears all persons and believes in the work of God in all persons and hopes and expects for all persons rather than the neuter of things. Patience. Patience. We talked about it very briefly last week, but I think it's so... The Holy Spirit is patience. And we have um, allowed religion to take over these words. And so, you know, religion portrays patience as that Well, there's a lot of them. If you go to a religious company of people, you'll soon find scattered among them those who do believe that they're being patient, you know. 
It's sad. Well, they look very sad. They look actually poster child for misery. You know, I'm being patient. And, and, and the look on their face tells you they're gritting their teeth and they're going through with this. And, uh, well, that's religion. That That's the best the world can do. That's about as high as Webster's Dictionary could get. But when love, the nature of God is patient, patient. Well, the, the first thing I realize is the Holy Spirit in he is patience. He doesn't merely have it. He is it. And that ising patience is a passion for life. Whatever that life is in front of me. It's a passion for life. What do I mean? Well, you see, the na- natural uh, flesh tends to give up. Give up on life. Because it's too hard and, and, you know, my dreams were shattered. And, and so what's the use? And, and, I, and I give up. And that's where the world's idea of patience comes in. That, well, yeah, we just slog this thing out. But, but all the joy's gone out of it. We, we're just getting on with it. We've got to do this. It's expected of me. If I don't do it, who will? And, and, and so on. Whereas with the Holy Spirit, all of life... All of life is not about what is happening. It's not about what they are saying. The All of life is about you in this situation, discovering the love of God to you and in you, as you could discover it nowhere else and under no other situation. And therefore, life becomes, shall I say, an adventure of discovery. And the Holy Spirit takes me into every moment of life. He takes me into every day. And he is patient. That is, he's not giving up. He's not going to sit down and say, look, I've been working with you for 70 years now and I've just about had it. No, the Holy Spirit is always excited. The Holy Spirit is always the, the forward-going spirit that he is going to conform me, conform you to the very image of Christ. He believes in his work. He's relentless. And of course, the, 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 there's two sides to patience. Um, there's the word patient, but have you noticed many times it's linked to long-suffering? and patience and long-suffering. And in some translations, it seems they can't make up their mind which is which. Well, the fact is, patience essentially is dealing with with life, uh, the events of life. But of course, within those events are people, relationships. And that's where the the word patience becomes long-suffering. I know. (laughs) We, We... and we long suffering, yeah. But well, I, I suppose it, it means it takes a long time for you to get angry about it. It's it's a long so It is love in the long haul. It is the love of God that will not give up on us. And so, patience slash long-suffering, it's relentless. And when people heap upon us their offenses and insults and injury to our persons, love responds with forgiveness, which means to release a person to God. Um... And I say relentless. Uh, we, we don't have a limit. We don't run out of love, for the love is the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. And so we respond to life with kindness, gentleness, compassion. It, it says the Holy Spirit, and incidentally, which is, I... I More to the point, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit living with us. So this is the Holy Spirit's attitude to you. He has 
endless patience. He's got endless excitement about your life, about revealing to you in every situation the glory of God's love. And and he is long-suffering in that he won't give up on you, but he continually forgives. Even when you ignore him, he forgives and continues to work, to build into you as your experience, the life of Christ that is yours. And he says he's not jealous or envy. What does that mean? It's, well, when, when you're jealous or envious, it means that you are discontent, right? I, I, I'm discontent with who I am because I want to be her. I'm discontented with where I live, with where I work, with what I do, with my ministry, because I want to live there, I want to go there, I want to be... And he's got it. I don't. So I'm jealous, which means in my life I'm, I'm discontented. I, I'm restless. And, and, and with, I, I don't even want my own gifts because I want what he, she's got, you see. Uh, I'm, I'm bored with life because it isn't what I want. I want, right? Well, it says the Holy Spirit then, because he's not jealous, he's not any. The Holy Spirit is completely content. There is no discontent in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, as he lives with me and with you, he's never restless and bored and saying, I, look, that, that fellow over there, it's a joy to work with him, but you, I just can't wait till we get to heaven with you. Um, no. Do you realize God, the Holy Spirit, is content with you? Content. He loves you just as you are, while at the same time he's gently bringing you to the future that is yours in Christ. He never makes you feel insecure. He, he, he never puts a suggestion in your mind that, well, you know, that really, that, that, that could cause you to lose your salvation, really. Did you, did you hear what you said there? Do, do, do you realize what you just did? Good grief. You know, that, that puts everything in doubt. Uh, I, I think you'd better try and get saved again on Wednesday night. Now, all of that is satanic. And I use that term very carefully. Because it said the, the Satan is the accuser of the brothers. What, whatever accuses you, whatever brings up the suggestion that you've done something that can separate you from the love of God is straight from the belly of Satan. Understand that. I'm sorry uh, to those, and I know that I'm, I'm actually talking about what you say, but that's the fact. The Holy Spirit, remember what I said? Agape is always in breath. Always. It's this uncreated, unbegun, limitless move of God to draw you into himself and to therefore overcome, relentlessly overcome anything that would separate you. And so, no, he never despises you. He never gives that sigh and rolls his eyes. The Holy Spirit is on your side. The Holy Spirit likes you. He says who he is. And he's predictable. He, he's, he, you never wake up and find him sitting by your bed in a bad mood. The Holy Spirit can't wait for you to wake up. He's so excited in this expressing love of God that this day holds such potential for adventure and discovery of the heart of the Father. And where, where it says here, he, he doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. Um, he's not provoked. Um, the actual word there in the original language is... He, he's not spiteful. You know what I mean? You, 
It means in the Greek language there's no sharp edges. He doesn't turn on you and and you realize you, you were cut, you were hurt. You know, when someone out, out of their flesh, they speak a word to you that just cuts you. The Holy Spirit will never do that. He's love. Every word he speaks is kindness, his gentleness. He never gloats over your mistakes and brings them up ten days later, you know. Nor does he say, well, you know, you remember ten years ago when you... No, the Holy Spirit will never do that. You say this is too good to be true. No, it's about time somebody told you what the love of God in the person of the Holy Spirit who is in you and with you really means. And it says he bears all things. That is, in a sense, he is a fortress that covers us. He protects us. That's the idea. He bears us as a mother bears her child in her arms. He doesn't expose us to enemies. He is loyal. He, he believes. <laughs> you ever thought of this? He believes all. We, we've talked about it before, this faith of God. The, the, the faith that you and I are presently enjoying is the Holy Spirit's activity within us. See, faith isn't here, I'm trying to believe, I'm trying to believe. All you get is a migraine. No, the fact is, Holy Spirit in me believes in the work of Jesus, believes in the purpose of the Father to bring to pass in me to fullness everything that he always intended. He believes that. Or as I pointed out, where it says, um, bears all things, believes all things. Well, things there, I believe, should be persons. He he believes in the work of God in me. He hopes. He has an unshakable expectancy of every promise of God coming to pass in my life and yours. He has an, an expectancy that the fullness of the life of Jesus be seen in me and through me. See, he expects. And he's doing that to me. You sit down and... And all he talks about is what he believes concerning the purpose, the dreams of God the Father for you and in you. All he can talk about is is the finality of what Jesus did and the fact that your sins have been dismissed, they're gone. He won't talk about your past anymore. All he talks about is the fullness of Jesus being seen and known in you and all your life. Talk about the peace of God, and he does so with overwhelming, exceeding joy. Or to put it another way, he is fully persuaded of your full experience of salvation. Or to put it another when I say he hopes all things with his relentless expectancy, the Holy Spirit looks through a situation, looks through me and looks through other persons to the truth. A situation looks like something terrible, but the Holy Spirit sees how you're going to discover the glory of God in this. He can see through He sees through you. You keep looking at your behavior and trying to measure yourself up to the law. There you go back again, you see. Uh, No, he sees through and he sees the mind of Christ for you. He sees the dreams of the Father and, and, and he delights in the fact that Jesus has accomplished that. He sees through to reality until all the other stuff just becomes almost like a fog. Because the reality is, God's glory is here. The reality is that you are a new creation. And everything the Holy Spirit does is with exceeding joy. That, you could say, is one of the marks of the Holy Spirit. Um, 
one can it's not a matter of one scripture there's so many to choose from but uh, you go through the Acts of the Apostles and where it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit sooner or later in the immediate verses you'll see they'll be having joy and it is it's joy that is extreme joy the, the words used rejoicing and sometimes the, the very way it was done like uh, Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail when they had been mercilessly beaten uh, until their flesh was lacerated and when they'd been locked into uh, stocks which are sort of wooden handcuffs that twist your body and then lock it in the twist and and then they began to sing and give praise to God that's the Holy Spirit rejoicing in a way that's ridiculous it's it's extreme and it's it's that which wells up within the person where the Holy Spirit is or Ephesians 5.18 where it says be filled with the Spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and songs the Holy Spirit gives you singing making melody in your heart to the Lord and goes right on to say and in everything giving thanks Uh, that's the Holy Spirit wherever the Holy Spirit goes he brings joy he brings rejoicing and of course that word rejoicing actually means to leap in the air spinning around I think I've told you before talking about this I was um, on my way to Tel Aviv and um, went El Al, the Israeli airline, and there were rabbis in the waiting room in JFK. And suddenly, spontaneously, they, they leaped up, grabbed each other's arms and danced all around. These old fellows with their beards are waving and they, they were rejoicing that they were going to Jerusalem. And that, that is rejoicing. That's exactly what the word means. The Holy Spirit, do you you understand this? The Holy Spirit lives with you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He is the love of God to you. And he is in a state of rejoicing. That's why it says the fruit of the Spirit is joy. The Holy Spirit is in a place of total peace. Peace that passes all our human understanding. We almost feel illegal when we have the peace because it doesn't make sense. What one, one thing here, Jesus said that he would give to us another paraclete. That, that word another, in the Greek language they have two words for that. Um... This, well, that's uh, this is a book, you know, a notebook. But also, this is a notebook. So that's another notebook. Yeah, that's true. But this one is much smaller than this one. You see, and and, and so it's another notebook. It's the same kind of thing. It's a book in which you make notes, but it's that kind of another but if I had here a notebook exactly the same as this exactly the same exactly the same like a clone of it almost well we in English just say another one but in the Greek that's a different word it means another of exactly the same kind and Jesus said that's the word he used there he says, I, I, the, the Holy Spirit is another paraclete. He's of exactly the same kind. That is, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right? That's an absolute. That is, you can define the God the Father by meeting God the Son, the Lord Jesus. I know who the Father is, because Jesus is in that sense the very presence, the very presence, the exactness, the exact radiance. To meet Jesus is to meet the Father. Okay, 
here in a slightly different kind of language, but he is saying that to meet the Holy Spirit is to meet Jesus. The Holy Spirit is exactly as Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the very presence of Jesus in our lives. Do you understand why Jesus said it's to your advantage that I go away? Because if I go away, I will come to you in a very different way, but a way that is infinitely beyond this. So if you lived in New York and Jesus was in Jerusalem, well, you'd better get to Jerusalem, wouldn't you? And hope he hasn't left for the Galilee by the time you get there. That was the Gospels. Jesus, in the limitations of our humanity. But now the Holy Spirit has come, and you don't have to go to Jerusalem or the Galilee or or that synagogue in Capernaum because the Holy Spirit is in you here, now. And in me, he's everything that Jesus is was ever revealed to be. Only he's in me right here in the 21st century, looking in me, through me, being me in this situation. You get it? You know, uh, this might not be the best illustration, but it has a go at it anyway. The umbilical cord. Here's the baby in the womb. That baby is a unique person. The child. Separate from the mother. Yet joined to the mother by the umbilical cord. And therefore, the life of the mother, to the point where whatever goes into the mouth of the mother goes into the child. So, the child literally lives by the life of the mother. Even the emotions of the mother pass to the child. And so here you've got a, a strange, you've got a mystery. For this child is this child. This child is not the mother. Oh, it's a separate human in every way. And yet is living by the life. And that life being the totality of the mother is being communicated, infused into the child through the umbilical cord. And of course, when the child is born, we then cut the cord to celebrate the uniqueness. But let us see this. Now, the Holy Spirit, you see, is the umbilical cord. You are you. Unique, fantastic you. Well, everything I'm saying here does not mean that you become Jesus and sort of dissolve into some blob where you cannot distinguish between him and you. No, you are unique. Every every muscle, every part of your emotions and being, creation of God, you're unique. And yet... You are so joined into the life of the Holy Trinity through the Holy Spirit. And in this case, we never cut the cord. The Holy Spirit is ever bringing to us the mind of the Father. The Holy Spirit is ever putting into us the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit is the very love of God coming to us and in us. And we are separate. I am not Jesus. He is not me. And yet he is in me through the Holy Spirit. I live, yet not I. It is Christ. And cut that cord and I'm done. The Holy Spirit is our personal living connection 
to the heart of the Holy Trinity, communicating the love of God into us and being the source of that love through us so that we can come to understand even better a new commandment I give to you. This is my commandment. You love agape one another as I have loved you. And it's by this that all men shall know that you are my disciples, that you have agape one to another. Well, believe it or not, I still got half the message. I'm not going to get there today. So I guess we'd better come back next week and look at this again. And now the blessing of God, who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. His blessing, His coming upon you and in you through the Spirit, be expanded in your life that you might increase and abound in love. So I bless you and so it is in these hours and days to come. Amen.